My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 25 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. On this week's show, head coach Rennie Borg takes us through Zone 4 and Zone 5 training and we speak with European Masters mountain running champion Mark Ryan about his Irish international mountain running career, comeback from injury, his key session for the mountain running season and how he manages family and work commitments with being the best athlete he can be. Everybody, let's get our running gear on. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's special show. It's a special show this week because it's our one-year anniversary podcast show. We started off in April 2020, and who would have thought it that we would have survived a year? We've got through it, and we're all still in one piece. We're raring to go racing-wise, of course. So a big special thank you to all of our listeners who have joined us on the podcast over the last 12 months. And indeed, a big special thank you as well to our special guests who have been on sharing their experiences of the mountains and the trails of Ireland and indeed the world with hopefully lots of good tips that you've been able to pick up and apply to your own training and racing and hopefully you've been inspired by maybe a story or two along the way. A special thank you as well to our Patreon listeners who have been brilliant over the last couple of weeks. Many thanks guys and thanks to Fiona Stack and Warren Donnelly who have come on board since our last episode. Fiona is actually a superb road athlete with Rahini Shamrocks and I know she's been a very busy mammy over the last couple of years so Fiona hopefully you can still get out and enjoy some mileage on the roads and sure who knows what you might be able to do on the mountains one day lots of good feedback as well from our last show with nutritionist Evan Lynch who maybe a lot of people were surprised with some of the tips that Evan had this time such as it's okay to eat high GI foods just before bedtime I think Rice Krispies were mentioned as a good way to induce a good night's sleep so we look forward to talking to Evan tomorrow over the course or course of the year and picking up lots of good tips along the way and we're hoping actually to do a special webinar on nutrition for trail and ultra runners in mid-May so do keep an eye out for that okay so that's nearly all the housekeeping done for this part of the show don't forget to check us out on Patreon if you do get a chance for as little as three euros a month guys you can really help to keep the show on the road for year two and to help convince you to do so to check us out on patreon let's call in running coach ireland head coach Rene borg with advice that can often be priceless in terms of improving our performance Rene, Rene borg from running coach ireland great to have you with us as always Rene, how are you keeping? yeah i'm good today owen how are you not too bad. I'm, I'm still trying to be as optimistic, Rene, as I possibly can. Um, I'm still dreaming of summer racing by at least hopefully July and August. And as the listeners well know by now, I've been I've been stuck here in Las Palmas since last January 2020 when, when I flew home for a Leinster Masters cross country with the boys in Raffarnham. And I haven't been home since but I am staying optimistic, Rene, and I hope to be back on home shores for a race in August and September, if we possibly can. Yeah, so it's funny because at this time, because there's nothing, I was invited to do a talk, and obviously it was a Zoom talk rather than the usual for um, for my Nalsi AC up in Meath yesterday evening. So if my voice is a bit hoarse, it's just because I had to do a bit more talking there than I'm used to in the evening time. But we're actually going to uh, put that online for everyone on YouTube, probably in the next week or so. Um, and that was a talk that goes into, you know, in a way what you can focus on. It was kind of a 45, 50 minute primer on on how to optimize your training for the next period in the absence of races. And especially looking at training intensities and getting that right. And I know that's one today, as you said, we've talked a lot about zone two, zone three, zone one. So today we want to talk about the, the real hard stuff on zone four and zone five. 
Exactly, because even though we mightn't have specific dates for, for races yet, you know, we can still do our 5K, our 10K time trials. With a bit of luck, we might get some local races maybe on, on the mountains, a, a Leinster League or a Munster League, where those type of races can be anything from maybe 30 minutes to 50 minutes. So we might need to start thinking about introducing some speed work, some mountain reps, some 1K reps. So tell us, Rennie, that when should we start to introduce our zone four and zone five and how much of it should we be doing per week? Yeah, I think that's kind of um, maybe let's get to that towards the end on, because the, the, I think that's you, you need to introduce it, but you need to understand what it is and why it does um, yeah. So if people if people have been listening for a while, just to remind it, it, it's it's a good idea to think of the intensities nearly by a kind of a color coding because it's really easy to have in your head. So in a way, your easy workouts, think of them as green, right? And your moderate or steady workouts, you think of them as yellow. And then the hard stuff is red, you know? And um, basically, when you talk of zone four and zone five, uh, you could think of zone four as orange and zone five is the, the dark red at the very top end. And this type of training, is it it overloads basically all of the systems that you have and and you know why do we even have two you know that's the question i was would would ask if i was listening to this is why do you bother talking about zone four and zone five why don't you just have heart you know and be done with it and 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 the reason is that as you basically as you get above this thing we call lactate threshold so that it's no longer a steady effort now you're into some really hard stuff you begin approaching the maximum ability of your aerobic system you know which is the oxygen carrying system to actually deliver so that means early on and this is in zone four, you're basically stressing your aerobic system to the absolute maximum. And you're also taxing your anaerobic system quite a lot. So it, the way to think of zone four is that it's a zone where you're stressing both your aerobic and your anaerobic systems a lot, nearly to the maximum. And then when you get into zone five, you add another thing. Uh, you add what's called neuromuscular strain. That means you're pushing your muscles and your nervous system to the absolute maximum as well. And as you go towards the very top of zone five, you know, very close to your maximum speed, the aerobic stress disappears completely. And the reason for that is that you, once you get to that sort of speed, the intensities you're training at are so fast that you can only really work out six to 10 seconds before you slow down. And that, of course, means that there is no stress in the aerobic system because you don't even get to use it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I know, for example, in your heart rate zones that you use with your athletes running Coach Ireland, that you call zone four aerobic power because you're still using your oxygen in that system. Where, as you said, when you go to zone five, you've pretty much no oxygen left. You're swimming in lactate. And that's when you have, as you said, your six or 10 seconds that you can maintain that speed. So it's pretty much your sprint finish at the end of a race. Yeah, that's, that could be a, that would be a time, you know, where often you go into zone five because whatever resources you have left, you know, you kind of unleash them all. Uh, and in some yeah. races you can't do it because your body's just too fatigued. So it can't even go there. Um, but it's also, as we've kind of alluded to in many of these cause zone five, because the bouts are so short, you know, it's often sprints. It's often used as a technique to improve your muscular strength and the strength of your body in general, you know, so the density of your bones and things like that. And that, so in a way, that's kind of what characterizes zone five. It's a very general type of training because it's so non-specific to endurance running you know it's so far from the race demands apart from sprinting for the finish line so um maybe Owen to to explain it to people if you just look at high intensity training as one big bucket and you say well I want to introduce some high intensity training then um most people straight away they think about interval training or repetitions you know depending on what word they've learned um, and that's because it's the most common way to execute a high intensity session and the reason is that obviously when you run at high intensity the longer you run it that the more fatigued you get and quite often fatigue comes very quickly especially if you're already training hard and that means you don't get a lot of minutes done and what dictates the effect of this sort of training is how much time can you do at these intensities so for instance if we just use an example of this aerobic power which some people call pace at vo2 max so that's roughly mm -hmm. as i said your 3k pace six minutes or eight minute race pace 
Um, so that would be, you know, could be 1500 meter pace, even if you're slower, that sort of intensity. Um, if you do it in training, you know, you, you would obviously tire very quickly and you wouldn't, but if you wanted to improve this area and get your body to spend more time getting used to what does that feel like? The best way to do it is to break it into parts. And that's kind of where interval training started. So it started in a really simple way that people were just running along and saying, well, I'm going to speed up now until the intensity I want to train. And when I think I've had just about enough, I'm going to slow down until I feel ready to do it again. Yeah. So it really started, you can see this really soft, informal way of doing it by feel. And, and that's still quite an interesting way to train, you know, and in many ways, it's kind of a, a nearly fart lake type of, of yeah. session. And I think when it, a lot of the people listening in who are trail runners and mountain runners, they might be asking, well, does that apply for me as I'm getting ready for my big trail race, whether it might be ultra distance, a little bit shorter, a little bit even longer? Because I know certainly interval training is used by your, your club athlete who is preparing for a cross country, a 5K or a 10K. And you might typically have interval sessions of 5 by 1K up to 8 by 1K, maybe even 10 by 1K. Can our trail running listeners... Can they benefit from zone four training, given the fact that in a lot of trail and mountain races, they sh shouldn't be hitting zone four very, very soon in races and should really be towards the end of a race when they only hit zone four. And um, a lot of their running sh probably should be in zone three. So will our listeners get benefit, Rene, from doing those interval type zone four sessions that you've mentioned and whether they be hill reps or 1k reps or whatever they might be yeah so it's the usual rule that applies for that is that the longer your race is of course the less emphasis you put on zone four and zone five because it is less specific um it also tells you that if you're doing very, very long races, such as ultras, then you should not be doing too much of this anywhere close to the race. So it would tell you something about when do you do it. So you have to do it quite far out, you know, maybe at the other yeah. end of the season. There's just kind of the basic operating principles. Um, but what is the value? Let's take zone five first, because we've discussed it before and we can kind of then get it out of the way. In, because zone five is mainly sprint training and it's done either as something that's called repeated sprint training, which is three seconds to 10 seconds, all out efforts with kind of long recoveries about four to five times, you know, so 15 to 16 yeah. seconds, that would be a typical, um, format. And another one is this, what's called speed endurance or sprint interval training. That's where it's about 20 to 45 seconds all out. And then there's a really long, very passive recovery because that's really, really taxing. That sort of stuff is, is only really used, um, by people who go for shorter races or by ultra runners and marathon runners, trail runners as well, who are trying to improve their basic speed and strength. And so that's something you would do quite early in training, right? You'd get that out of the way. Uh, and that's for people who, you know, we've identified that you've identified yourself that you're a bit too slow, really, you know, and you really need to do something about that. Yeah. And it, it can also help injury proof your body if you're prepared for it, right? Because sprinting is, of course, demanding in itself. So that's kind of zone five out of the way. So you would never touch zone five anywhere near your race, right? And, and that would even go for medium trail races like 5K and 10K. You wouldn't touch that because it would overstimulate the wrong systems. Uh, so it would, yeah. So it would actually work against your performance in an endurance race. So that leaves us with zone four. So zone four is obviously very specific to trail races uh, like the Imre Leinster League because you go into zone four a lot in those races, and all these trail races from five k to twelve k, and then they become kind of more of a support thing once you get into the the middle distances. You know, the twenty twenty five k trail races. It's more something that you might use on the last hill things like that, or for, for a consistent burst at some stage, trying to catch your rivals. That means you need some ability, but that would not be your emphasis close to, you'd probably be emphasizing more zone three. So generally, you know, where you place zone four depends on what type of race you're doing. Shorter race, you put it in the last block before your race. And if you are longer races, like 20, 25K, you'd probably put it in the middle of your training plan somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like then, Rennie, that say for a lot of our listeners who are maybe getting ready for the Kerryway Ultra later on and this summer, Eco Trail, as we as we know well, races like that in the autumn 
where maybe now in April and May, it's actually a good time to add in a couple of 1K reps down in your local park, add in some maybe two or three minute hill climbs as well in that zone four intensity. And the listeners will get the benefit of these zone four training sessions in three, four months time when they're back racing. Yes, because one of the things that it does, apart from, you know, in a way, pushing your aerobic system to the maximum, so building your ability to to take in oxygen, um, it also makes you more economical. That's kind of one of the bonus features of running fast is that because it's a difficult task on the body, it tends to create a better running economy, which you need later then. Um, but you need to know when you're ready. That's kind of the key with zone four. So for the way you really know is if you go and try a session, and I, I might describe it in a minute on what these sessions could look like. But if you go and do a zone four session and you actually notice you struggle to keep your heart rate up in the zone four range for very long, it basically means you are not sufficiently conditioned from a muscular and endurance perspective to push yourself up where you need to be. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a bit because and then what happens is after one or two of these repeats you're actually drifting down in zone three uh, and that means you're not ready for that type of work to to help people get into it there's two basic formats you can pick for zone four work which is basically short intervals and long intervals and um, so a, a short interval would usually be anything of 60 seconds or lower for the fast repeat uh, whereas for long intervals, it's everything above that. So very traditional, you know, we start athletes on a workout like the 30-30, which is really popular at the moment because Kylian Jeanette has admitted he does it, you know, so it's the, it's the usual, someone famous does it and then everyone, yeah. everyone wants a piece. But uh, it is a good session for introducing runners. It's actually not the best session to maximize the time spent in zone four they've done studies on this it's not the best by a long shot for that but it's a great session to get used to really pushing your body all the way into zone four because you only have to do it for 30 seconds and then you get a bit of reprieve sure the listeners are asking Randy, which one is the best from the research that you read there and um, which one said was the best which what type of zone four session it, they, they, they reckon that the way to get the most time in the, the kind of sweet spot of zone four um, is when once you, you need to get over two minutes as a minimum. Yeah. And some very well-conditioned runners, I know Bilat, Bilat, we've mentioned a few times, she believed that the session that maximized it was about five times three minutes, something like that, which is very similar to five by 1K. It's a little bit shorter, you know, for, it's a bit longer, sorry, for most people. And for the faster athletes, it's, it's shorter. Um, yeah. But even they, they can go up on as far as eight minute repeats for the very well-conditioned you know, yeah. so that 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 be an, that would be very similar to two k reps. You know, for two k one mile to two k reps, if people prefer to do it by distance. Yeah, and I might add in one great tip, Rene, that I learned myself over the years, and that something that it was actually Jerry Kiernan taught me in the season that I spent with Jerry getting ready for fifteen hundred meter and um, track season in the summer of two thousand and ten. Jerry used to say to us all. Stop your interval session when you feel you can do one more. So, for example, last Saturday, I had planned to do eight by one K on trails and hills just here in Las Palmas. Feeling really good, was working through the session. And at the end of the seventh rep, when I had one more to do, I still felt really good. I felt I could do one more. But I knew if I had done one more at the end of the eighth one, I would have been really whacked. So just, I remember Jerry's voice there in my head saying, when you feel you can do one more good one, that's when you stop to prevent just going into the red zone, overtraining, and you save that last 1K or that last rep, if you like, for race day. And that's when you go to the well. So while they are fantastic for improving our ability in zone four, we do just have to be careful, don't we? That we don't go to the same. Yeah, I know Arthur as you know, is my hero. He, he he would say, if you train to failure, you train to fail. And yeah, uh, yeah. it was a bit of an exaggeration as usual, but he, he did mean by that, you know, that you can't make it a habit to always be destroyed at the end. He says, because your body will <laughs> yeah. remember that, you know, the, but also this whole idea of, you know, train, don't strain goes right into that philosophy, yeah. you know, that you don't, you don't need to go to your maximum to get 
a response. And often when you go to the maximum, you might significantly increase the recovery time. You know, and that then impacts the, the next two or three runs. Uh, I do know, Owen, on the flip side, that there's one or two American coaches who would say once or twice a season, you can plan what they call a see God session. <laughs> or, or a breakthrough go to the well session and there's probably some truth to that you know yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Don't, not as a regular habit but there might be one or two times a year where you feel like i'm going to really take this to the limit but when you do that um, you're doing it in a way to to break new ground and to challenge yourself probably mentally as much as anything and then you also need to factor in a longer recovery so instead of the usual you know, two days, maybe three days after high intensity work of easier running, you might need four or five days. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe a good way maybe to finish the segment for today, Renee. Just how many days per week should we be hitting zone four? Not so much zone five. We've kind of ruled that one out for short high intensity sprints for certain times of the year. But for example, your typical track runner, might be doing three track sessions a week when they're hitting zone four, where it's all about speed and improving lactate and so on. But for us trail runners and mountain runners, what I suggest really that it's probably really only once to maximum twice, especially with the average age of trail runners being in the high, high 30s, 40s, etc. That maximum two sessions of zone four per week, what do you think? Yeah, that's a very good rule of thumb. As you say, one to two for, for most of us. Uh, the reason that some train three times is obviously because they, they're younger, as you say, it's better recovery curves. Um, they do it after big blocks of general training, so they're very well conditioned. They can recover quickly. Um, so they do it in the specific period of training. And even then, you know, if they even, let's say, they have three uh, high-intensity sessions, uh, they're not all equally intense. You know, one of them would probably be, be fairly small. Usually what I do with my guys is we would have one high-intensity session that is quite demanding, so it's quite extensive, uh, and there's a lot of time in the zone. And then we would have another one that's more of a support session. So a good example would be we could have a 5K session that is very extensive. Let's say just the, the usual, you know, 5 times 1K um, at let's say you know 5k pace just because that's an example a lot of people know then we would have as the support session we might do some 3k pace but that would be very short intervals with let's say longer rests so that means it's not actually demanding but it is giving us some more time at that speed so that could be a typical way but you only do that once you are getting close to the race you know and you're already well conditioned Okay, perfect, Renny. Well, listen, Renny, thanks a million for that today. And just before we go, was there anything else that you wanted to say to the listeners? There's, there's a lot more we could talk about, Owen. So maybe we'll whet the appetite of the listeners for, for, for some kind of topics we can spring out from this because there are different types of uh, ways you can manipulate these for the trail. So that's something I like to cover at some stage. And there's also um, there's a new type of interval training, high-intensity training that's called alternations or new interval training. And the focus in those workouts is actually what goes on in the recovery instead of in the active segment. So you can see it's totally different. Um, so that might be something we could cover in the future because sure. there, may, there may be listeners who've, who've read about this and they're wondering, oh, why, why didn't they talk about those formats? Why are they just talking about you know, boring old interval training where the yeah, focus is on the, the active repeat? <laughs> Let's stick it in the diary and maybe even for the next episode, Remy, as well. And just before we go, Remy, I did want to say a big thank you to you because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've been one year on the air now. So a big thank you for your contributions over the last 12 months. Our, our first episode was on April 19th, 2020. And here we are a year later. And I know from the feedback that we get from listeners that contact us through social media or emails that come in, they're always very impressed with your knowledge and with your contribution and your help so a big thank you for all your work with us over the last 12 months that's been my pleasure owner yeah i can't believe it's been a year already yeah 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 exactly Rene. a big thank you as always and if anybody does want to get in touch with Rene, he's a superb coach one of the best in the business and you can get him on runningcoach.ie Rene, until next time thanks very much all right thanks all My name's 
Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. For our feature interview this week, it's a really special one for me personally, as it's great that I'm getting to interview one of my own best friends and teammates in the running world, especially for the one year anniversary show. Really great to have Mark Ryan with us today. Mark Ryan has 12 caps for the Irish International Mountain Running Team. He was the European Masters Mountain Running Champion in 2014 and has had some stellar performances in road and cross country as well. He's the type of guy that inspires others around him and someone that you were always happy to have on your team as you went into battle in races. Myself and Mark actually had an online running business together a few years back. Some of you might remember it, Sub4 Running Store, and we used to really enjoy the Dublin Marathon Expo, um, where I remember one year we had some brilliant, um, nice, cheap and cheerful Dublin Marathon compression t-shirts that went down really well. So really looking forward to this one, everyone. Apologies that the sound isn't quite as sharp as I would like it, but I think everybody will find something to take away from this interview with Mark. Everybody enjoy. Mark Ryan, you're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me on the show. A real pleasure, Mark. As I was saying in the intro there, we've been on many a team together, so uh, it was always great to share Irish teams with you, Raffarnham teams with you, and now to have you on the podcast is a real treat as well. Yeah, look, I've been listening in, and, and um, it's, it's great what you're doing. No surprise, it's going really well for you. So, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks a lot, Mark. And listen, Mark, let's get straight into it, because... I want to bring the listeners back to June 2014, Poland. A real special day because you've been nearly 20 years running now, competing on a high level, both nationally and internationally with Raffarnham, with the Irish mental running team on 12 occasions, as I said in the intro. But in that day, in June 2014, you were a European Masters mountain running champion. Um, it must have been a special day to hear the national anthem being played with your Irish teammates of course as well maybe bring us back to that day Mark and what are your memories when you were champion of Europe yeah like it, it's you know it was one of the best days I had in, in running terms and um, if you had said to me back at the start of the year in 2014 would that have happened I wouldn't have believed it because of where I was coming from in terms of injuries and stuff so but but, but getting to the race itself I mean the training had gone really well the previous six months. I was pretty confident going into it um, that I would do well. I, you know, the course, I've done, done a bit of research around the course and stuff. And, and I suppose the, the start list and who was going to be there. And, you know, I did, I kind of fancied my chances at, at doing, doing decent in, in the race itself. So, but yeah, it, it was really special. Like, you know, to, to stand on the podium, to hear the Irish national anthem was probably something. You know, as a kid, I would, I would have dreamed of maybe doing, and if it actually happened, yeah, it was, it was, it was special, I have to say. And you were the first male Irish runner to win at a European uh, Masters level as well, Mark, which was even more special. And in fairness to the girls, the girls had actually been there before. We had had a couple of Irish winners, Ashley Coppinger, who I think was an over 35s champion, Mags Greenan won it in 2008, women's over 50, Donna Mahan, an over 35 champion, and Helen White in 2010. So the, so the first Irish bloke <coughs> to bring home a gold medal. Uh, yeah. even more special yeah and I, like it's actually something I, I kind of suppose found out afterwards but I didn't know it at the time I was really just at the start of the year as I said I was coming from a bad place injury wise I've been out for a long time and really at the start of the year I just wanted to get fit and then as the year progressed and I had a lot of consistency which I'd never really had in the previous number of years you know I just said like this is it I'm 35 now I knew I was good in the mountains and I just fancied, you know, going over there and giving it a crack and giving it my best. And, you know, everything in the build up to that race, it just went so well. I remember doing a, a race out in Rahini and I ran really well. I won the race. And then also just before, before there was a great preparation over in the UK, the, the Keswick trail race. Um, so a lot of good international runners um, 
Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, and I think I came maybe six that day, six or seven maybe that day, and you know I was good shape going into it, so I was pretty confident of doing well. But once I got over there, like in, in terms of preparation for it, Brian McMahon again came over with me to support. We went over a little bit earlier, so we got the chance to to run the course and. Once I ran the course, I just knew it was kind of suited to me. It was a, I think it was maybe nine and a half, ten k race, and it was a, it wasn't as steep a climb as what you would see in in some of the other European and World Championship races. Um, so the course really suited me, and I, you know, it was just it was just one of them things that all kind of clicked together. And yeah, it was just it was some some again. It was a fantastic day, and you know, I really enjoyed it. And you would have broken um, local hearts, Mark, as well, because I was reading the race report and there was a poor Polish guy who I'm sure was dreaming of winning the European Championships on his home turf, so to speak. But I think the, the Polish athlete, Piotr Kun, um, he must have been devastated that day. He was beaten into silver medalist and there was a Czech athlete in third, I think. So to, to take the gold medal away from the local runners um, was a great achievement. Yeah, like uh, uh, you go to these kind of master events, I suppose, and for people in Europe, they have to kind of pay your own way to get there. It was a difficult place to get there, I remember. You know, it was planes, trains, cars, a bit of walking. Um, so it was a difficult place to get there. So there was, a, in all the age categories, a lot of uh, Polish runners in it. So, yeah, I knew I'd be up against some, some competition there. But, um, you know, I was just so determined that day. Everything kind of came together. And in the race itself, I remember going out maybe the first mile into the race and I just felt so good. And I was in a group and maybe five or six of us. Um, and I just gradually yeah, put the foot down a little bit and pulled away. And, you know, I'd say maybe a clamor to go. I, I knew I had a huge gap and, you know, I was kind of just thinking running up the last climb, like this is it, like I'm actually going to win the European Championship. So it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Great, great experience, great memories. A great day and... A great result, and you followed that performance up, Mark, with a bronze medal a couple of months later in Austria in the World Masters Championships. So I'm just interested to, to hear if you can remember what you were thinking back then. You mean, you're a European champion. You were going into the Worlds, which I suppose is a step up again. But I know you're always a very confident runner. You're always ready for battle. And can you remember what you were thinking going into the Worlds? What was your target to, to get onto the podium, which you did with a fantastic bronze medal? Or, or were you going in there to actually to try and become a, a world champion? Yeah, like, again, uh, you know, the conference I got from in the Europeans, it kind of reminded me that I could still do it at a good level. So the training went really well again. And... I knew Telfez, which is where it was on in Austria. I'd ran there back in 2009 in the European Championship. So I had experience of the actual course, which really helped. And it was a, a little bit of an advantage, I suppose. Um, so I knew what to expect. And again, the beauty of this was online. You can see the starters. You could see who was in it. I knew it was going to be a lot tougher than the Europeans. Um, there was going to be really good competition there. But again, I had nothing to lose. And training was going better than ever. I had probably the best consistency of training maybe six seven eight months of training which you know in the previous five six years I would never have got that so I was actually confident going over there and again we had a good team a good gang of Irish went over um club mates as well and, and Paul Fleming and, and Peter Farrell and John Brooks as well as another guy that came over so you know going into the race I you know, you know I, I, I hope to get on the podium that was the target to get on the podium what color medal I suppose was you know, would be, so be, would be. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great race again. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you were up against, I mean, not only some of the best Masters athletes in the world in that race, but they were some of the best senior athletes as well. Yeah. I think the gold yeah. medalist that day was Eric Blake, who um, I think was on the podium in the world senior long distance and um, trail running, mountain running event as well. So to be in that company uh, just showed the, the quality of the performance that day. And as I said, you might not have been an individual uh, world champion, but you were a team world champion. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. no, it was bronze medal for the guys, for yourself, Peter, exactly, yeah. Paul. It was bronze medal. You were <coughs> on the podium as a team as well. Yeah, so like I knew Eric was going to be the favourite going into the race, so it would be very difficult to be him. Like I knew he'd done well in, in, in previous Euro, or sorry, World Championships, like he would have been a regular 
in the top 20. I think he maybe got as high as 10th maybe one year. Um, so he was, you know, he's going to be the favourite. But I knew the course again, and I knew it was kind of flat at the start. So it kind of went out with the intention of getting a gap because I knew it got really steep in sections. I got a bit of a lead going into the, the, the major climbs. Then I kind of fell back a bit. But most of the race, I was kind of in second place. And coming up the last bit, I remember there was an American guy closing me down. And all I kept on thinking was, I have to hang on here. Like, this bronze medal is up for grabs. Like, and again, just to go back, the injuries that I had, it, it just really, it just willed me to, to get up there and get that medal because he was closing hard. And of all the races and all the years of running, like, definitely was, it, was the, it was the most satisfying i suppose medal to ever win like it was it even meant more to me than the europeans because i really had to dig deep i really had to put the body on the line and as i said the guy was closing the medal was maybe maybe slipping away but we dug really deep and i remember collapsing across the finish line with pure exhaustion but you know it was all worth it um and then just to see the other Irish guys coming in we didn't know at the time we were standing at the top and there was a bar at the top um of the mountain in Telfez. Um, so we were having a couple of drinks, just kind of celebrating, I suppose. I got the bronze medal, I knew that. And then we got word that one of the American guys, they had a team of three, and one of the guys actually dropped out. He had a bit of an injury and dropped out. So we ended up getting boosted up to third place. So we knew we got team bronze as well. And it was just like, it was such a high, like for, the, for all of us, like over there, it was a great weekend away, like great times, yeah. great memories. And as you said, like you were inspired by, you know, the, the Irish football teams back in the 80s and, and 90s, Big Jacks teams. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was probably your Euro 88 and Italian 90 moment. And and I'm sure you won't mind me sharing with the listeners that um, you got, I think, that jersey. Was it that singlet framed with that medal mark and um, with a lovely photograph of, of that race? Was that the one that's, that has been it, up on your wall? It is, yeah. Was, so, like 2014 was such a good year and my mother said you need to kind of to kind of capture that and so I had the two team medals and then the, the European medal and put the single in it and yeah it, it reminds me like it was it was a great year and great times like so a nice little treasure to have in the house yeah and you mentioned um coming back for injury mark and it's a great story of 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 determination and resilience and hopefully some people that are listening in might might find something from the story that will help them in their own comebacks from injuries or whatever it might be at the moment. But I might use a, a photograph of that race in Albania in 2011 and maybe share the photograph when we published the, the podcast yeah. of when you had that fall. And I was shown the, the photograph here to, to Jennifer there the other night just when we were doing a bit of research for the interview yeah. today. And it, it was a photograph that you know, typified Mark Ryan, the runner. Um, you're battling for for one of the high places at the at the World Championships, Mark Mountain Winning World Championships, trying to be the first Irishman home, given everything on a very tricky descent. You can see the strength in the legs as you're coming down, trying to stay upright. Yeah, given everything, body on the line, but then a nasty fall. And yeah, injury. And um, tell us about that race, the fall, and and the tough time that you had after that. Yeah, like uh, just to, to go through, like uh, I, I I dug a bit of this out just prior to coming on, and I knew I had a lot of injuries, but it just kind of reminds me how many I had. Like I, I had five surgeries between two thousand and eight and two thousand and thirteen, um a couple of hernia operations, ankle surgery and, and knee surgery ultimately. But going into that race, I was I was going really well. Um, when, again, when I got to the, the course, we had a really strong Irish team. I just fancied that day. Everything about it, I, just, I was just really confident going into the race. And I remember it was so warm. It was a, it was a really brutal course. And it was like a construction site in the middle of the city in Albania. Um but I remember even before the warm-up, it was, I could see the different nationalities and teams and athletes, they were kind of doing their own warm-up and build-up. And it was so hot. They had these army tents. So I remember just going into the army tent thinking, oh, I need to keep my body cool here. I remember just lying down. I didn't do much of a warm-up at all. And I just thought to myself, I'll ease into this one. And it was a three-lap up and down course. So going into the first lap, I knew Brian McMahon, he, you know, he's led many an Irish team home. I knew he'd be the, the guy to try and beat on the Irish team. So... He was strong on the first climb, and I, but I had him in my sights, and you know I kind of ran be, behind him, but but tracking him all the way in the first lap, and then coming down the first lap, 
I was just descending so well. The photo you mentioned there was a really dangerous, um, tricky descent section. It was like gravelly sand. And I just, I suppose I got a bit excited because I was descending so well. I put the hammer down. I was, take, I was passing people out and stuff. And I kind of just ran off the course, took an assy. I did pretty much a somersault and fell, smacked my knee either off a rock or a tree. I don't know what it was, but I hit the deck basically. And within a couple of seconds, I kind of bounced back up. The adrenaline kind of kicked in. Um, my knee was sore, but I was like, you know, where do you go? Do you do you jog home, feel sorry for yourself, or do you just keep going? And for the next maybe kilometer, I got going again, and um, you know, the knee was hurt me, but you know, the, I think the adrenaline just kicks in, and and I still had that belief that I could do well in the race, which you know, we ultimately did. I came twenty sixth, and I was catching people on every lap, and I let the Irish team home that day, and it was. You know, again, it was a great day in the Irish Fest. Yeah, and I think the Irish team came ninth that day, a top 10 yeah. in the world, Mark. And as we know from being on many an Irish team together, that it's so hard, especially in, in the men's um, category, to get an Irish team, to get any team into the top 10, because the, the quality of the other teams are always very, very, very strong, very, very good. And that a realistic game nearly for us at times is to get into the top 10. If we get into the top yeah. 10, we're doing well. We often haven't done it over the last 15 years, but that day, the Irish team did let home by yourself with Brian McMahon, Barry Minnick, and I think James Cavan as well. Brian Fury and Ian Conroy were there, fifth and sixth men as well. Yeah, we had such a strong team and we all packed really well. Um, every, all the guys ran well that day and um, in really tough conditions. It was so warm and it was a really tough course. Um, but yeah, like I suppose at the time when it, when it happened and you know, I was on such a high coming 26, I just I didn't know what was around the corner. I knew I'd done damage to my knee and you know, subsequently <laughs> that was the last race down. I didn't run for two and a half years after that because of the injury. So it was a bittersweet in a way I had the high of coming so well and you know you'd like to think you could kick on from that and, and do better at these championships but yeah I ended up missing two and a half years with injury um, and surgery ultimately yeah but, yeah but you still came back Mark and, and even before that race yeah. you mentioned four or five surgeries before that you've completed marathons since then you've, you've got back onto the Irish team numerous occasions since then as well so what is it do you think winning you that just that never give in attitude, never die attitude, always willing to fight and to come back and to overcome those injuries and, and never be beaten. Yeah, I suppose you just have to have that belief that you can, you can, you know, things happen and, you know, you just have to kind of figure it out and, and, and get better. I suppose the body will naturally heal as well. And I know if that's surgery, but the body, I've had other injuries and the body does heal with time and I suppose with the right treatments, etc. And, and I'm figuring out the problems that you have, but um, yeah, there's something inside you and, and people, you, you just, I always had the belief that I could do well and I wanted to do more and I knew it wasn't finished. So I suppose that drive was still there to, you know, as I said, I, I came 26th in the world. You know, I actually believed I could, I could maybe go better again and, and get a higher place finish. Never actually happened, but, you know, I still made Irish teams and, and, and did well again and I overcame the injuries that I have and, and, and touch wood like a, that was, the, that was the last surgery I had back in 2013 and, and I've, I haven't really been injured since then and, and things have been good. Maybe the, one of the reasons, Mark, why you, you've always been so successful and so determined to come back from those injuries is that every summer you have the opportunity to, to live that boyhood dream of uh, representing your country in sport. You know, the two of us are from yeah. a generation yeah. where we grew up watching and those great Irish football teams, watching great Irish athletes like Eamon Coughlin, John Tracy, Sonia O'Sullivan. So for us to do that in our own special way on the Irish mountain running team, you know, what a motivation that is. So maybe that's the thing for listeners of all levels to take that, to have a dream. And no matter what barriers you're presented with, what injuries you're presented with, to always have a dream and never give up on it. Exactly that. Like you know, I recently just watched the Jack Charlton documentary, and uh, you know, you're looking back in 1990 and 1988, and um, the football, the frenzy, the buzz around, you know, 
the Irish team and you know that kind of inspired me to you know you wanted to represent your country whether it be football um or running or whatever it may be that was the dream to to do that and like you said there you you've been on these trips to like like little mini Olympics, you go away, there's all these different countries, there's a buzz, you know, you, you do the parade through the town and the start, you, you recce the course and, you know, and then there's the race and the event and the medals and it, it wraps up, it, it's such a big event, the Europeans and the worlds for me, like, and, and every year, the start of the year, it's always one of the first things I do is where are they on, what do I need to do to get in shape, to get, you know, ready for the trials and, and try and make the team for starters and then, and obviously then be in shape to, to do well at these competitions because, you know, you never know when the when it's going to be your last one. So every year, I kind of try to focus and and get ready for them. Yeah, and before yeah. before your your mental running career, Mark, and even during your mental running career as well, you had some stellar performances on the road and on cross country with a Rafarnum singlet on. So maybe <laughs> if you just leave the mountains aside for a couple of minutes, but what was it that first of all got you into running and maybe who inspired you um, on your running career over the years? Yeah, I suppose when I was a kid, I, I, I ran, you know, maybe nines, under tens. I would have ran in the community games. I actually ran for West Dublin as a kid. Um, but then I suppose, again, just to tie back in, the football frenzy kicked off with the Irish team and I kind of tore my hand to, I suppose, to, to football then. And I was a pretty handy football player and I ended up doing well at the football. So I got as far as playing League of Ireland. I was up playing for St. Pat's and stuff. But my uncle, he, you know, he was a big inspiration because he I knew he ran for Ireland. You know, back then I didn't really understand the times and stuff and how good he was, but he was a huge inspiration to kind of get me going. And I kind of lost my way a little bit with, with the football. Um, and, and I remember him just saying to me, why don't you this, you know, pre-season, just come out running with me. And and that's what happened. I, I just started meeting up a couple of days a week, coming off from work, meeting him and going for 30, 40 minute runs. And he just said, you know, you're after doing a bit of training now, would you not try a race? And I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And he said, we have, there's a PHA race on the beach and it was actually his company's race, ESB. And he said, come along and do that. And I remember turning up to the race and, you know, again, I was a young enough guy. I was 23, 24. And um, I remember on the start line in my football gear, you know, lining up against runners, but not to disrespect them, but they were a lot older than me. And I was thinking, I'm actually going to do well here today. And I, I think I came 10th or 11th maybe that day and battling it out. And I, I couldn't believe the standard that they were at. Um, but the buzz of that race, it just it just kind of inspired me that this is what I want to do. Like, I want to, you know, have a, a great mentor and aim and to, to, to guide me, I suppose. And, you know, just from that day, I just really wanted to do running. Running was my thing. And I kind of knocked the football. I never went back playing football. And that was it. Never looked back. The, the Eamon that you're talking about, Mark, in case people don't know, it's um, Eamon Tierney who was a two-hour, 16-minute marathon man who, you know, who would have been in very good company back in the day. His, his friends, his training partners and racing partners would have been the likes of Jerry Kiernan and so on. So Eamon was an international class marathon runner. Yeah. And he still does a lot of coaching now. You can still see him at races, cross-country races, road races. He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful inspiration for, for many a person. And, and maybe I might just share with the listeners, Mark, our own story and how the two of us yeah. met. That was maybe about a year or so after Eamon, I think, first got you out racing. And I was in the in the bathroom pre-race before a race in Rohini. I think it was a was it a 5k charity yeah, race? Right, yeah. You might you might remember the name of it. I can't think of the name of it. And then you were you were ahead of me in the queue for the bathroom and I kind of you know looked you up and down and said, Oh yeah, that, that guy, that guy looks decent. He seems to have the kit on him. You had progressed from the football shorts <laughs> yeah, by yeah. Yeah. I said, How are you doing, mate? You're running tonight. And he, and he said to me, Yeah, yeah, I'm running. Yeah, I think you might have looked me up and down as well. Exactly. And he, yeah. <laughs> And needless to say, then the two of us ended up in the, in the lead group in the race. The two of us like, were just starting off, of course. You maybe a couple of months training and more than I had. And I'll never forget about just over halfway in the race, Eamon um, was actually in the lead group with us, with one or two of his master's buddies. And all I can remember was Eamon shouting, go, Mark, time to go, move, Mark, move, move. <laughs> and right, yeah. so... Off you went, you pushed away from the lead group and you took the win last um, that night. And I think I had a sprint in with one of Eamon's buddies for maybe third place. 
<laughs> and that was how we met each other, how I met Eamon, and what a what an inspiration he's had on the two of us. And uh, we, we've come a long way since 2004 in uh, St. Yeah. Dance Park in that charity race. Yeah, like I remember that well. That's you know that was the first time we met each other, and yeah, equally like you're saying, I looked you up and I was thinking, "Geez, this guy's good. It's gonna be tough here today." Um, but yeah, in the race itself, in the group, I suppose we were so both of us. Um, we were novices essentially, so we were running probably comfortably enough. And I do remember, I remember him saying, "Go!" And like a lunatic, I bolted away from the group, and then maybe a couple of hundred meters up the road, I realised I actually went too fast. I was kind of hanging on. Um, but yeah, it was it was good times and, and look at Eamon. For me, he, he was such a great guy to have in my corner. He would always give you the confidence that you could come back from injury or you could do well in races. And you know, he had this belief that well if he thinks I can do it, well maybe I can do it. Um so it was kind of blessed in that way to have him there to guide me. And then yeah, yeah he took me down to Rough Arnhem and you know, you know, what a group of guys that we had down there and a great team spirit that we had. Sure, and that's what I was maybe going to ask you about next, Mark, was that that was maybe one of your first wins on the road. But what other highlights do you have, apart from the mountains and all those great days in an Irish singlet, what other highlights do you have from your road and cross-country days? Um, yeah, the cross-country, I really love the cross-country. Um, maybe because more so... I seem to be running well in the in the winter, and I'd always seem to pick up injuries in the in the springtime, and always miss the track season. But cross country, I think, because it wasn't really about the times. It was you know dependent on the course, and the you know it was really muddy and bad conditions. I kind of loved that. Kind of loved the tougher the better. And um, I remember one year I came in the national short course. They used to have the long and the short course. I came fourth one year in the national short course, which. You know, I remember it was a good strong feel that day and it was, you know, it was a senior race and was delighted to do that. And um, another time I, I picked up a medal, a bronze medal in the National Indoors in the 3K. And again, good quality guys. Mark Christie won it that day. I remember he was flying. Um, Brian Marr, I think, was second. I was third. And um, the other one would have been maybe the Dublin Cross Country as a team. You remember yourself, you were part of that winning team when we won out in, out in Rahini. Um, our club had never won the Dublin Cross Country um, and we really gelled that year and we put a big focus and emphasis on trying to do well as a team and try and win it because um, we had a great squad of players yourself, um, Barry Minnock, Paul Fleming, Sean Hare um, and a, a load of other guys. We had 10 or 12 guys, you know, all with the same focus and you know that that was a special time to, to win the team medal I still have the photos like yourself you probably still have the photos that was a great time so yeah a lot of great days on the, on the cross country in particular yeah and I mean for anybody listening in like I think the two of us would say to to look out and um, look for your local club you know when things open Absolutely. back up over the summertime I mean get down to your club your club mates your, your club coaches because you can really form great memories and great days in, in groups like that and, and in races like that where the whole club are out and training together. And yeah, as you said, like the, the best memories that we have are the two of us along with Barry Minnick yeah. and Sean Hare and Paul Fleming beating lumps out of each other. Yeah. Down in the Phoenix Park or in Raffarnham getting ready for races. And um, and thankfully, we, we got some good results. Now, we picked up lots of injuries along the way yeah. from probably overtraining at times as well. Um, but, you know, I, we left everything out there and, and got, got a few nice medals and lots of great memories, mm -hmm. I think, think, to boot as well. I would say to you, anybody that's considering joining a club I know personally myself I, I when I started off and I was always fairly fit I still had that feeling that geez I could never join a running club you know just real runners down there I'd, I'd never fit in so there's that little bit of fear but the beauty of it is when you, when you go down to a running club there's all different levels um, and you'll just find your, your place within the club but the structure and the support that you get within the clubs and the people you meet and, you know, they're like-minded people and, you know, it, it gets you out and keeps you fit and healthy. And, you know, anybody that's thinking of joining but are, are kind of sitting on the fence, I'd say, just, just go do it when things open back up, get involved and you won't regret it. Like, and as I said, I've met friends that are, are going to be friends for life. 
Yeah, yeah. We, we mentioned Eamon Tierney and of course Adam Jones had a big influence as well down in Raffarnham too. He he was a great and still is of course a, a great coach down in Raffarnham. One other thing, Mark, that I wanted to ask you about as well is that you've managed to combine all these great results, all this hard training, injury rehab, which is very time consuming as well. Combine everything with a very busy job, with a busy family life, three kids that you have now. So any tips or advice that you could give to the listeners about trying to combine all that training and racing and doing so well with all the other responsibilities and commitments that life brings with it as well? Yeah, it is. Uh, the last number of years, yeah, in particular, the, the kids, and it has been harder, I suppose, to keep to that high level of training. Um, I, I'm going back prior to the, the kids came along. A Saturday morning, we'd, we'd be doing maybe sessions at a 10 o'clock on a Saturday and a long run starting at a 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, you know, at my leisure. Um, my wife may be off doing her own gym and, and, and fitness stuff that she would do. And we had so much more time, I suppose. But when the kids came along, you know, I didn't want that impact on family life, etc. So for me, it was just about getting up early. I get up early every day. All my running is, is done in the morning time. So for me, it just works if I get up early get the training done and then the whole day is, is for yourself and your family and whatever you need to do because inevitably if something will come along if you plan on doing a run in the evening something may happen or you might have to do something and you won't get around to it and for me it was just if I, want, if I want to keep running to the level I do and I need to make the sacrifice and get up earlier you know like so this morning I was up at 20 past 6 out the door 20 to 7 starting the session at 7 o'clock back in the door 10 past 8 you know that, yeah, that's yeah. Just, it, it works for me now and that's how Mark as well is that a lot of those running and um, a lot of those running training sessions they were done on a treadmill as well even during those years when you've been qualifying for Ireland and still belting out great runs and great performances a very high percentage of your training were done in the early hours of the morning when the kids are asleep in bed a couple of rooms beside you when you're on a treadmill so I mean where does the will does away exactly you just kind of work with what you have and I suppose the logistics of getting kids to school etc and my wife would have started work early and um, for me yeah I would, I would need to get up early and run and you know I didn't particularly like running on the treadmill um, but I trained for the Manchester Marathon which I, I did was my first marathon I really wanted to do well in the marathon and the only way to do that was running on the treadmill early in the morning because I, I could still mind the kids while my wife was at work and, and they're in bed and I was down pounding away doing yeah. 40, 50 miles a week in the treadmill. That's, I suppose, yeah. I didn't have to do it, but I wanted to do it because I, I still had believed I, I could do well and, and, and run at, at a good level. So, Yeah, and one other thing I've always noticed, Mark, as well, is that you've always had a desire to try and find the edge, whether it be gear-wise, <clears throat> recovery-wise, always willing to try new things and, and push the boat out and legal, legal deep. <laughs> um, so maybe two quick questions. Then. The first one was, are you doing anything interesting now to help recovery-wise, to help get the edge in training? And then the second one was maybe key sessions as you're getting ready for a mountain season as we come into the summertime. So maybe the first one first, anything you found recently that uh, that is helping performance and recovery wise because in fairness over the years you're always the first one to have the best recovery drinks the best gels the best running shoes and that as well <laughs> yeah like i suppose you're, you're always looking for the edge I, i've tried a few gadgets over the years and i'm sure we're, i remember buying the power breed was one thing and my wife used to slag me every night going to bed and i'm breathing into this apparatus saying i'm gonna make my lungs stronger which you know I don't know. <laughs> it was a bit crazy. Well, I, I remember um, you, you, you rocked up to training once with the Robbie Fowler nose plasters as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, I gave them a go as well. They were all the rage back then. Uh, so, like, yeah, look, I, I was always willing to try stuff um, legal, as I said. Um, I found, like, ice baths and, and, and the, the warm baths now. I'm more fond of the warm baths than the ice baths now. But um, I think the key really is to kind of, you have to look after your body. Um, you have to listen to your body more as you get older. And I would, I, I would tend to get regular massage treatments. I go to a guy called Eugene Brady. I've been going to him pretty much since 2014 and he's kept me good. He, I haven't really had many injuries since then. And, and in terms of what have I tried recently, I, try, I don't drink coffee. So 
I always knew there was the benefits of caffeine. So a, a good friend of ours um, recommended these things called caffeine bullets. So I was like, oh, I must give this a go. Like I don't have to drink the coffee because I don't like it. So I tried a caffeine bullet in train and I was building up to uh, the Berlin Marathon. I remember taking one of these in train and, and doing a long, I think it was like an 18 mile hard run. And I mean, the focus that I got from it and, you know, I got a great kick out of it. It really, really seemed to help me. I was thinking, geez, this is the way forward. This is going to help me. And I remember prior to the race, I asked him the same guy, would he, what, what would he recommend for the marathon? He said, well, take one on the morning of the race um, or before the race and then bring one with you in your pocket and maybe halfway through, take the other one. So, so I took this cafe and bullet halfway through the race in the Berlin Marathon. And I mean, I, I thought I'd never get to a toilet. It just, I obviously had too much caffeine in my system, not being used to it. Yeah. And <laughs> that was just one thing that I tried. Like, I remember um, a few of us were trying to get our beetroot juice at the time as well. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all a bit worried when we were going to the bathroom and uh, the colour of our pee going to the bathroom was 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 dark purple. Um, yeah. but hopefully we got some performance benefit from it as well. The second question mark was, as we're coming into the summertime now, and as I'm sure you're probably ramping up for an attack on the mountains again, well, what key session would you have that you, that you think is a, a fundamental part of getting ready for for your mountain races which are the shorter ones which are typically maybe anything from 8k to 12k yeah so i suppose i have the experience now i know exactly what works and what i need to do and and how many weeks of it that i need to do um one of my favorite ones will be the down in Kilmashow, which where i normally train up around fairy castle and um, we would start and, and maybe two minutes up one minute down is a great session and you will find as you get fitter as the weeks go on you're jogging back on your woman or recovery you're actually jogging back quite good and you can tell your fitness is getting better and then the other one would be we would normally try to replicate what the europeans or world champions would be so we don't have i suppose the hills to run for 60 minutes uphill directly so we would try and do maybe four or five six mile tempo in marley park and then from that you would have a three mile climb then straight up to the top of fairy castle so you're kind of you're tiring out the legs for you know maybe 30 25 minutes and then you're going straight into a, a long hill climb which is kind of trying to replicate as best we can and um, what the, the europeans or the world championships may be like so they're they're kind of the key sessions that i would do and as i said you, you would start at the start of the season and that doing them and you gradually feel yourself getting stronger and fitter and you know you're you're, you're getting it right and they, they seem to work well yeah, and am I right, Mark, in saying that that two minute up, one minute downhill session? Did you get that from Jerry Kiernan? Because I think Jerry Kiernan's group used to do that. Funnily enough, yeah. as they were preparing for the track, which of course is the complete opposite yeah. of of doing trial races in the mountains, they were using it for strength. But it, it's actually just an all round smashing session for getting strong, which you can then apply to speed on the track or continue on in the summertime and get ready for an attack on the mountains, just two minutes as hard as you can uphill and then just float back down for a minute. And maybe you can do it from anything from starting off at eight reps and push your ride out to 12 or 13 reps. Yeah, exactly. That, that That's exactly where I picked it up. Um, down in Jerry's group, they used to meet in Marley Park. And Jerry, like he coached you for a while and coached me. Um, it was a great session. And... You can use it for track, you can use it for mountain, you can use it for anything. It's just a, an all-round workout. The, the beauty, and I think I was saying to somebody recently, the beauty of that session is people of all abilities can do it together because somebody could maybe start a bit further ahead or they can take a short recovery and you're all kind of running as a group as opposed to maybe if you're doing like 1K reps where you're kind of maybe strung out a little bit. You know, for me, that's where I found the beauty of it. You can train actually as a, as a squad or as a group and do them types of sessions. They're, they're really, really great. Yeah, and it's funny, Mark, isn't it? Because I think the two of us came from similar backgrounds. The two of us came from football backgrounds. And I think the two of us, well, the two of us have picked up quite a lot of injuries over the years. Yeah. We've never yeah. got injured training for the mountains. I know you spoke about the nasty fall in Albania, but we've never got injured doing those uphill sessions. And any, any injuries we ever got, it was on the track or doing lots yeah. of speed work on the road. So they're brilliant sessions for anybody listening in just to get super strong and just to, to bulletproof those legs from potential injuries. Absolutely. It does not the pounding. You know, you're, you're doing a, 
a hard climb. You're getting your heart rate up nice and high, maybe in, on the on the two minutes that you're doing it. So it's getting up high very early on to get that same sort of effort over a, a, a kilometer or a mile rep. You know, it's well into the rep before your heart rate is up that high. So it's a great workout, um, a little bit safer, I suppose, because you're not pounding the body. You're you're not covering the same sort of distance. So yeah, I really recommend it. Like it's great, great yeah. training. And just for the, the, the round off, Mark, today, we've had a lovely walk down memory lane. And, you know, we went back to when an Irishman was champion of Europe and a bronze medal in the World Championships. What are you thinking about for the future time? Um, I know you've got three lovely kids, busy job, just moved into a new house. But I'm sure that determination to, to do well and run well, it's still there. What are you thinking of for the future? Yeah, so as I say to my wife, I'm just kind of taking over at the moment, doing 70 miles a week, which is which is still a lot. Um, she does laugh at me, but um, yeah, like I, I suppose I'm trying in a way now with the hope that something will will happen in terms of racing. You know, towards the middle end of this year, I have an entry for London Marathon, which got carried over from last year, and you know, it is a real goal really to have one more crack at a marathon. And and London, I would have always watched London Marathon on the TV, so. That would be a nice box to maybe take and, and run well over there. And then, yeah, definitely the, the Europeans or Worlds or, or even maybe the Masters in Telfes again is on. So it could be the, a tour trip over there. So I would love to maybe tackle the, the mountains again. Um, the yeah. mountains is where I really, really love, you know. And I think we've got the World Masters Mountain Running Championships in Ireland in 2022. Yeah. If I'm not so that'd be a fantastic goal as well. Any interest in stepping up in distance in the mountains to use all that cross-country and marathon strength in any of the big ultra races, whether it's in an Irish singlet or not, any of the big ultra races on the continent or even back home in Ireland, the, the likes of a Kerry Way Ultra or Eco Trail Wicklow or e even, even a U. TMB, something like that. Yeah, like I suppose the age I am at now, I've kind of done a lot that I wanted to do. Probably London Martin is really the last one I want to take off. And then, yeah, then just try and experience different things. And, you know, I do have a lot of the Martin strength from training for, for Martins over the last couple of years. So, yeah, maybe tackle some of the longer stuff, for, you know, a new challenge. Um, and it's all about new challenges and keeping, keeping the interest in the sport. So, having taught exactly what I want to do, but I definitely would be up for doing something different. Yeah. Well, listen, Mac, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Best of luck with all your training. Best of luck as hopefully the country opens back up racing-wise as well. And I've no doubt that we'll see Mark Ryan's name up on the podium, whether it's in senior or in master's races over the next couple of years. Yeah, and look, I'd just like to say thanks again for having me on today. I really enjoyed it. Great catch-up. Uh, the success of the podcast that you're having, you know, it's a lot of effort, I'm sure, to pull these together. So so well done for doing that. And I can't wait to catch up with you again and I'll hopefully go for a run with you sometime this year at some point. It's been too long. Thanks a little, Mark. No, look forward to the next day when we're sharing the, the start line of a team race together because um, as myself and any of our teammates over the years would say, there's no better man that we'd want beside us leading us into battle and uh, they're fighting on the team for us. So uh, good to talk to you, Mark, and we'll talk again soon. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed that one, everyone. A really great guy, Mark. And I've enjoyed many a training session with Mark. Many a race where we've literally battered the hell out of each other. Competitive, the two of us, to the very end. But you know what? Always there to support each other as well. And never a bad word said between us with all those fantastic battles in training sessions and races. So a great friend and a great teammate. And Mark, thanks a million for coming on the show. That's it for this week, everyone. Thanks to Rene Bork, as always, from Running Coach Ireland. And thanks to you guys, the listeners, for tuning in for one year now. And I'll tell you what, if we've been able to put on a half-decent show together with practically no racing over the last 12 months, imagine the fun we're going to have this year when hopefully we do have some races and some performances to report on. Bring it on. Don't forget to check us out, everybody, on Patreon if you can, guys. Three euros a month will help keep us going over the next 12 months. Let's call it a wrap for today. Everyone, get your running gear on. Let's go.